Hello and welcome back to the Blockchain.com podcast. My name is Garrett Heilman. I'm the head of research at Blockchain.com and a visiting fellow at the London School of Economics. One of the most common topics of scrutiny surrounding Bitcoin and crypto assets is their energy consumption. While media headlines comparing Bitcoin's energy consumption to the size of a small country are common, less well understood is how Bitcoin mining is actually helping the environment. To talk about this, I recently spoke with Sergey Gerasimovich, the founder and CEO of Easy Blockchain, one of the leading Bitcoin mining companies focused on flared gas and stranded natural gas. We discussed a range of topics, including how mining with flared gas works, what common questions Sergey faces in conversations with oil and gas producers when discussing Bitcoin mining, and how and where the market for mining with flared gas is expanding. We'd love to hear what you think of this episode in the comment section of this podcast. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please rate us and leave a review as it really helps boost our visibility to more listeners. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Great. Well, welcome to the blockchain.com podcast. Very pleased to have Sergey Gerasimovich on with us from uh, Easy Blockchain, one of the leading cryptocurrency miners. Uh, welcome, Sergey. Thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, uh, so first thing, uh, we have a tradition at blockchain.com where we ask all our guests and all our new employees how they earned their first dollar. So we'd love to hear uh, how you first uh, made money in this world. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good one. Um, well, I, there, were, there are a couple of stories how I made the first dollar. Um, because you know, dollar where I'm from is is a big money when I was a kid. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, my first money I made when I was six years old. I was selling uh, razor blades uh, to my neighbors. Uh, so my 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 uh, family uh, had a car, and since we lived in a very small village in a remote area, so when we were going shopping, we brought different stuff uh, from the city to the village. And uh, uh, my father was uh, shaving. And I was taking some of the blades from him, asking if I can use them. And he never understood what I was doing with them. And I was reselling them to my neighbor who was older guy, didn't have a car, didn't travel anywhere. Uh, then my, uh, so that was a small short-term business, <laughs> obviously a couple of deals until my father figured out. <laughs> uh, but real business uh, was uh, in seventh grade. I was uh, selling uh, uh, cell phone prepaid cards uh, and that was a, a long-term venture, so I made more than one dollar at that time, because uh, um, I was one of the only um, guys at school who was reselling it to kids. And again, it's because we were living in a small village, and not so many people could travel to the areas uh, where they could buy stuff. So I was bringing in. Obviously, it was a markup, and I was making money like that. Excellent. So an entrepreneur at a year, very young age. So, so tell us more about your background and where, where you uh, grew up and, and then, of course, how you first got into crypto. This is the standard question as well for everyone. Uh, you know, when did you learn about Bitcoin and what, what got you interested in it? The answer would be uh, very long, probably. I'll try to shorten it. Uh, so I was born in Ukraine in a very small village, actually on a farm. So I'm a real farmer. And uh, my parents are uh, still farming. They have some business that they do uh, farming in the area. Um, then 
my parents did uh, invest a lot in, in my education. So I started learning English from a very young age uh, so I could be exposed to the world. Um, so my, my childhood, I spent a lot of uh, going to different teachers, private tutors and spending time with them. I actually learned the English like uh, uh, four times uh, uh, a week and that was extra curriculum. So it was not the stuff I learned at school. Um, and because of that, uh, my path, uh, led me to the university and I had to study linguistics because I knew it so well. So I was like, okay, I'll let me take an easy path. And I studied linguistics in Kiev in Ukraine. And uh, uh, since I spoke English, uh, I had an opportunity to travel the world and uh, I ended up uh, in the United States. Um, so I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and the United States is the land of the free and it's the land of uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, so when I got an opportunity to live here, uh, my uh, first thing was I need to start a business. Like it doesn't matter what that business is going to be, I have to start it. So at the age of 20, I started my first uh, company and what it was a translation agency uh, because I didn't know anything else and I still needed to start a business. So there was no goal. Uh, I needed to understand I needed to get the experience. So I was like, okay, we, I have to build something. We started a translation agency with my partner. Uh, obviously that was a failed project because of a lack of experience, but uh, we learned a lot. Um, so after that, I spent uh, a lot of my time in, uh, in uh, um, marketing and sales. Uh, and since we worked in translation business, we worked with multiple businesses. So. I was, uh, you know, we worked with a company that was selling spices to South America and we had to translate uh, uh, all manuals on spices like peppers and stuff. And then we worked with a uh, uh, heavy uh, machinery uh, manufacturing company that had to sell stuff to Europe. So we worked with that. So because of translation agency I ran and because of my experience in linguistics, I had to learn every industry in other language and it opened uh, um, a lot of avenues for me. So I could actually see that there are other um, other industries that I, I would love to work. And energy always fascinated me as well as technology. Uh, in 2000, like 10, 12, 13 technology, and Silicon Valley was not so popular as it is right now, for example. Uh, so I was uh, attending multiple events in Chicago and trying to learn as much as possible. I signed up for courses. Um, then I was working for a marketing agency. Then I started my marketing agency. Um, and then I had other couple of businesses. Uh, some of them were successful, some of them were not. And then in 2017, um, my partner at that time, uh, from uh, import and export business that we were together, uh, called me and said, hey, uh, uh, we have a client who wants to buy GPUs. And I, I didn't know what that meant <laughs> at that time. So I was like, okay, let, let me figure it out. So we, we saw that there's a huge demand on purchasing GPU video cards from Europe. Then um, we didn't realize first uh, why that demand is so high. So we had to, um, deep uh, uh, dive deeper and understand uh what gpu are what they used for and we quickly figured that this was for ethereum mining 
Um, so that's how I got in crypto by selling hardware. And then uh, GPU uh, rigs and equipment uh, um, was substituted by ASICs. Uh, then we had so many clients in the US that we had to set up hosting services. And then we had so much hosting services that need, we need to, to search for cheaper power. And if in search for cheaper power, we got into uh, wasted energy business. So now we're a cryptocurrency mining company that utilizes wasted energy, flare gas, um, or stranded gas to mine cryptocurrencies. Excellent. That, that's uh, that's fascinating. And I, are there a couple of rigs in the background there that I, I see uh, right over your, your right shoulder? <laughs> oh, there, 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 there might. Yeah, there, there might be some <laughs> some old S9s. We, we have so many of them coming from place to place. So we keep a few in the office, you know, just for uh, for visitors who would like to see this in real life. Yes. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's you know, for something in, intangible like cryptocurrency, I think, you know, the mining rigs, the mining uh, centers are, are kind of one of the, you know, rare kind of physical kind of things you can look at or see pictures of that help make this, this more real in people's minds. Uh, so it's one of the, in my years of teaching, you know, what is Bitcoin, what is cryptocurrency, when I show photographs of, of mining locations around the world, you know, it, it really helps ground people in, oh, okay, I can kind of see something and, and I see that this looks like a data center. And I kind of, you know, even if you're not in IT or, um, you know, people I think have a familiarity with what a data center is and it just helps make it more real for, for people, um, the, these physical machines that, that do the, the cryptocurrency mining. So, um, so, so easy blockchain uh, really started then how long ago was it, was it, how long have you been operating? In 2017, so 2017. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, so that's, that's fantastic. And, and from early on, um, I mean, at what point, and we're going to get into this, this um, flared gas and stranded gas aspect of mining, but how far into it did you, did you kind of move in that direction? Was that there from the beginning uh, that focus on flared and stranded gas, or did that come later? Um, it's a very good question. It kind of became uh, became a problem um, at the beginning. Uh, at, at the beginning of of our journey, uh, we saw that Bitcoin mining heavily depends on power, uh, and obviously, in search for a better uh, source of power, we figured that there are not so many sources where you can get power uh, very cheaply. Uh, there, there is the only cheaper, uh, the cheapest way of uh, power is hydropower, and uh, hydropower is not so widely accessible around the country. Um, therefore, we tried to find a way how to generate power, and obviously, we did want to use Bitcoin mining for something bigger than just consuming energy. Uh, we uh, truly believed in the story of Bitcoin and. A decentralized uh, currency, decentralized asset. And at that time in 2017, 18, after the hype of ICOs, there was so, so much bad taste left in the people's mouth. Uh, there was so much of uh, um, information online saying that Bitcoin is going to be the uh, last, last nail in the coffin of climate change, that Bitcoin is going to use more and more power. And now the word ESG is very popular, but we were thinking about that already at that time. Um, so looking for power, we found that the cheapest power, which we could generate as company at that time, uh, was natural gas. And then comparing, compared, comparing how much power we need 
to how much power or energy was available at uh, flaring sites uh, was no brainer for us to go and start this business. Mm-hmm. Great. And so, so for people who are just listening um, and relatively new to cryptocurrency mining, maybe, maybe you could actually, before we get into the details of flared gas and, and natural gas, you know, versus hydro, which would be very interesting to talk about, um, you know, but just let's, let's kind of explain at a high level for folks kind of how Bitcoin mining works, why it requires energy and, and um, you know, what a machine like the one over your right shoulder there does exactly at a, at a very high level. <laughs> right. Uh, well, Bitcoin mining is a process of very fine transactions. That's all what it is. To do that, uh, we need uh, enormous amount of computing power. Uh, so we use uh, ASIC uh, machines, which are application specific computers. Uh, they run one thing and they uh, verify that I sent you money and I am who I am and you are who you are to receive that money. Uh, for that, uh, Bitcoin network needs to run decentralized computers all around the world uh, to make it an actual decentralized uh, network. Um, and since uh, uh, the Bitcoin network has grown so much in the last uh, five years, uh, there is more and more computing power which is required to mine Bitcoin. Um, so uh, the computers that we are running are ASIC machines and they're using standard computer chips. So it, there's no difference between uh, the computer that we're using right now to have a conversation with you and then the computer we're running for Bitcoin mining uh, other than uh, capacity of that computer. Um, but it's like internet. Uh, internet is decentralized as well. Uh, there are servers somewhere. Uh, we transact data with you here over the Zoom call. That means there is somewhere a huge data center that uh, confirms these transactions, confirms this uh, data uh, transfer between me and you. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that's great. And, and um, a, word, a word you didn't mention there that I, I'll just add uh, to what you said is, is th- these computers provide the security uh, of the network. The, the more computing power, the more secure the network is. And so oftentimes you'll see in, in media headlines, this is a waste of energy and you know, they're not doing anything useful, which is completely not true. Um, the computers are providing the security and that is the foundational layer for why we're talking about blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. Without that security uh, at the network level, uh, none of this would matter or be interesting. So it's an incredibly important function um, that this energy energy expenditure is going towards. Um, so, so you mentioned um, hydropower, which is near and dear to my heart. Um, I grew up in Washington State, uh, very close to Chelan uh, County, oh. um, and uh, Chelan County was famous for having. And I don't know what the price is currently. Two point nine uh, cents per kilowatt hour electricity from the uh, from the dams there. Um, but but we've seen communities, hydro communities, sometimes push back. Uh, against uh, Bitcoin mining. And I wondered, did that factor into your interest in not just going straight to the cheapest hydro and trying to think more creatively about other sources like flared gas, natural gas, because of some of the pushback we've seen from some communities on, on you know, Bitcoin miners descending on Chelan County and consuming too much of the electricity or, or what, 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 what's your story there? 
It's interesting uh, that my story uh, started uh, in Chilean County. Okay. <laughs> uh, we went there and uh, uh, and we, we saw that we're not the only people in that area. There are more people in from cryptocurrency mining community just uh, walking around and looking at the locations where they could mine a Bitcoin. And when we came into the uh, public utility district of the county, <laughs> Uh, we saw the attitude uh, to miners uh, right there. So it was, uh, for them, it was uh, more as like, uh, we need to get the money now from them because uh, we're not sure what's going to happen next. And I, I like to meet uh, person to person, uh, face to face, because that's when you can tell a lot that is not, uh, not mentioned uh, during the video conference or during the call. And I, I felt right away that something is brewing there, mm -hmm. um, especially when they started uh, giving us estimates how much it would take to connect to the power grid there. Uh, and it, at that time, it was around $300 per kilowatt, uh, meaning that we need to invest $300,000 to get one megawatt of power. And all of that money was just given to public utility district to upgrade their system. Uh, so we compared that to gas uh, generation, and we saw that power, power generation natural gas uh, costs uh, around $450 per kilowatt uh, to, to generate it. And that money is invested into our asset, not just given away to somewhere. And that was no brainer for us not to get into um, that venture in, uh, in Washington state. Um, and of course, as you could see, that was a good call because uh, they have raised uh, risen the prices to cryptocurrency miners specifically, even though crypto mining has brought, brought a lot of economy to the location. And I'm sure about that. Um, so that's how we figured that hydropower is not the best place to be mm. because people, local community will push back uh, since it's a clean power and it's a, a green power and it, it costs a lot to build a hydropower plant. Yeah, yeah, I think Chelan County got a, an early lesson in the mobility of cryptocurrency mining and a lot of power operators are used to having a captive you know, a market where people live there, they can't go anywhere else. Uh, cryptocurrency miner can pick up and, and relocate um, without too much difficulty. I mean, you can, you can say more about that, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a more mobile uh, industry. And maybe that's a good segue to, to get into this very interesting source of power, uh, you know, natural gas and, and flared gas and, and kind of how stranded it is uh, and, and just let's start with kind of a basic definition again for people who are new to this topic. What is a stranded energy source? What does that term mean uh, exactly when something is stranded? Sure, uh, definitely. Uh, so stranded energy source uh, is usually seen in natural gas markets where natural gas is being produced, but there is no way to transport it to the market. So there is no pipeline and there is no... Uh, gas processing plant in the area. So gas cannot be brought to the market. So it's either uh, burned or this gas uh, just stays in the ground and the well is capped. Yep, great. Or, or even in some cases just admitted uh, into the atmosphere, correct? And not even not even burned, it leaks or, or just is released, is, is that right? Or oh, Yes, well, there are, there are instances uh, in, in smaller wells that 
gas is vented, uh, but that's not a, such an often practice. Uh, however, all wells that do have gas and were drilled before, they do leak some methane in there. And methane is a very, uh, very high BTU uh, greenhouse gas. Yes, it's one of the reasons I've, I've tried to eat uh, fewer beef burgers and, uh, and more uh, vegetable <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, beyond meat style burgers of late is, is everyone tells me that, oh, the cows are pumping so much methane into the atmosphere that, uh, you know, I, I, and, and hey, they, they don't taste all that bad. Free advertisement for, for the, the beef alternative burgers <laughs> out there. But uh, so, so just to recap, so yeah, and you know, the the stranded natural gas is something that doesn't have a pipeline connecting to it. It can't be easily delivered to a market that can consume it to power a furnace or uh, you know uh, you know any other gas appliance, and it has to be dealt with in some way, either kept in the ground uh, and not utilized, or or burnt, in essence, uh, and and wasted. Right? I mean, it, when you're when you're right. when you're burning it or or venting it, it sounds like. Thankfully, that's not happening too often. I mean, in essence, that energy source is not being put to productive use at all, correct? That is correct. Uh, so there is a stranded gas, but there is another, uh, another type of uh, stranded gas, which is flared gas. It's a totally different animal because flared gas it's, it is, is associated petroleum gas. Associated gas is the gas that comes out from the reservoir uh, while drilling for oil. Mm -hmm. uh, so if the Drill, uh, drilling for oil continues, they're going to be always associated gas. And that gas is always burned for the same reasons uh, uh, that stranded gas is. Uh, if there is no infrastructure, it's going to be burned. But the difference between stranded gas uh, is that the stranded gas locations can be closed, but usually the locations where they're drilling for uh, oil, they do not stop drilling because oil costs much more than natural gas and they making money on it. And now natural gas uh, prices are so low, that's why st stranded gas locations do not really invest in pipelines. But as they say uh, in the oil field, uh, they will burn two bucks every day to make 60. Um, so with, with one barrel of oil, there comes one MCF of natural gas. Got it. And, and, and you know, for people who don't have a picture in front of them, just to help them visualize what this looks like. So. Uh, you know, uh, can you kind of describe visually, you know, in, in a Texas or someplace where there's um, oil drilling occurring and there's flared gas, what does this look like? Is there just literally like a flame uh, next to the oil rig that's uh, yes. kind of burning continuously? Is that is that kind of the image people should have in their minds? That's, that's like a pipe uh, that is stuck into the ground and it's, there's, there are flames at the end of the pipe and there. Uh, there is a consistent uh, pressure, uh, so it's being burned uh, with a very loud uh, sound, just like uh, SpaceX getting their rocket into the space, the same sound. Um, and uh, you, can, you can smell the methane, you can smell uh, different type of gases in the atmosphere. Uh, a lot of natural gas is being burned from the pipeline. So from that pipe, if that pipe is, uh, let's say, six inches uh, thick, that may burn millions of cubic feet. Interesting. And, and the burning or flaring of that natural gas, though, is better for the environment than simply venting it into the atmosphere, correct? Like 20 times better. Okay. <laughs> so as, as, as bad as it sounds, it could be a lot worse by just actually letting it release, uh, as I'm sure happened 
before uh, flaring uh, was developed as a as a solution to try to reduce uh, the, those those emissions. Um, so so let's now turn right. to uh, Easy Blockchain and what you guys do, and and how you're providing uh, a further improvement to um, to dealing with this flared gas or stranded gas issue. Um, talk to us about that and, and when you first started doing this and 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 how that whole opportunity and business works. Right. So instead of instead of flaring natural gas, uh, uh, we uh, utilize that gas for power generation uh, using gas electric generator right on site on the pad. And that power which is generated on the pad has to go somewhere. So we bring in mobile data center filled with cryptocurrency mining equipment and we use that power for mining cryptocurrency uh, again right on site. Um, this technology is great solution for flaring and it is great solution for Bitcoin mining because we have a, a very affordable source of power as well as we're solving global environmental problem at the same time. Uh, we also utilize the same solutions for stranded gas since every stranded uh, well has to, uh, has to be uh, um, has to be open to take the gas out uh, because it's leaking all the time. Uh, so we, we would install the system and take all the gas out and then this this well can be forever closed. Um, yep, that's great. I just was going to your website because there's a lovely video uh, that, that, that looks like is showing one of these. Because again, I, we want to help people kind of visualize what this looks like. And, and if you go to the easyblockchain.net uh, is that correct? Uh, web yes. address. You'll you'll see uh, you know a, a picture of one of these uh, units. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word for this. Uh, it's not a shipping container, correct? It's something. It is not. Yeah, no, it's a lot bigger than a shipping container. At least that's what it looks like to me. And and you, you see sometimes shipping containers used in mining or or something resembling a shipping container. Um, this is looks quite different. Maybe you can talk about what this is exactly. It looks like you bring it in on a truck, you connect it and a, a gas generator to the flared energy source. And um, and yeah, just walk us through kind of operationally what this is and how it actually works. Uh, our mobile data centers are not shipping containers. So that's what differentiates our company from others. Uh, we are building mobile data centers from scratch. Uh, one of the reasons for that is operational. Uh, we, we've spent last three years in Bitcoin mining and we, we've learned how we really want our mobile data center to look like, how we want it to work, how we want it to operate. Another one is uh, HID. Uh, we're using sandwich panels, uh, which is a foam in between uh, thin aluminum sheets. Uh, to build mobile data center. And that helps to uh, lower the heat uh, from direct sun into the in the unit itself. Mm. Um, but the process uh, is simple enough, as, as I say. So it's, it's easy for the customer, but hard for us. Uh, uh, we, we work with uh, you know, a few suppliers of gas electric generators. So we either buy or rent gas electric generator. We install it on the well pad. Sometimes a producer already has a gas electric generator. Um, then we roll in our mobile data center on the um, trailer 
together with cryptocurrency mining equipment uh, in it. We connect it to gas electric generator. We turn it on and then we run this operation, which we 24 seven monitor and operate by our yep. team. Now, one question I, I imagine, you know, some operators have, uh, maybe it's not an issue. I'm just curious, you know, one imagines stranded gas or, you know, an oil well out in the middle of nowhere, you know, um, yes, I understand you can get a, a generator in there, but what about the internet? You know, how do you connect to the internet? Is, is there is cellular penetration that good now that you guys are, 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 are we using satellites, something like Blockstream, satellite network? What, what is the kind of internet connectivity challenge and how do you tend to address that? Well, if there is sky, there is internet. Uh, we utilize uh, satellite. Uh, definitely our uh, networking team has to do other tweaks to it. Um, but um, in most cases, it's cellular, uh, it's regular LTE uh, or satellite. Awesome. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um, that that's I think for a lot of people like wait if they're out in the middle of nowhere how do they they get plugged in but you know I mean these mining operations I imagine already have also oftentimes if they you know I mean maybe maybe not but I would think that you know uh, sorry the the oil um, uh, producers would have solved some kind of internet solution or created something because they probably rely on the internet as well to do their business is that. Is that true or, or not so you, much? You, usually where there is oil drilling, uh, the coverage is not that bad. Mm. Uh, so there is some internet uh, coverage uh, uh, from LTE at least. And since Bitcoin mining doesn't use a lot of bandwidth, uh, it's not a data center grade uh, uh, internet consumption. Mm -hmm. uh, so we can run uh, our cryptocurrency mining operations without uh, big problems in those areas. Yep. So let's let's talk about the uh, environmental side of this. You know, we talked about how uh, venting is 20 times worse than flaring. How much of an improvement uh, from an environmental perspective is uh, plugging in an easy blockchain um, data center to mine and leverage that gas versus flaring? What, what do you tell customers about the kind of environmental impact? The numbers, uh, we need to take a look at these numbers from different angle because these are not only CO2 emissions that are reduced, but CO2 emissions could be reduced up to 70% uh, because all gas electric generators uh, do have scrubbers, uh, uh, they have filtration and that uh, uh, those generators meet all requirements uh, um, which are uh, implemented by EPA or other organizations uh, in the area. But then uh, the biggest uh, thing uh, about using our system with a gas electric generator that is uh, CO, CO reduction and VOC reduction. Hmm. Because when there is flaring, uh, those particles are very, very bad for environment, very bad for people who live around. And uh, those uh, the reductions can go up to 90%. Hmm. And uh, most people... Uh, when talking, talking about EPA, think that uh, CO2 is the biggest problem. However, EPA is uh, uh, looking more on CO and VOC. And a lot of oil and gas companies um, who understand the re regula regulation, uh, they are most, most of all afraid of section five from EPA code. That's the section uh, 
uh, that prevents uh, oil and gas producers to operate if their VOC or CO doesn't meet a standard. And mm -hmm. if you if you uh, got uh, uh, on the radar of the EPA for breaking the rule from Section Five, that's when your operation can just be stuck and uh, uh, get in the line to get a permit for for years. Um, so in general, uh, we at the end of the day are still burning the natural gas, but we're burning the natural gas in, in a much more efficient way. So we're mm -hmm. lowering the emissions, but at the same time, we're not only lowering emissions, we are doing some useful work because before natural gas was burned. It was mm -hmm. just going into the air, doing nothing. Uh, now oil and gas producers are making extra uh, dollars for for doing this, and they reinvest in their operations. Uh, they mm -hmm. reinvest into uh, bringing their operations to high efficiency, and they do care about uh, their operations. They really want to meet to meet to the requirements. Uh, the requirements are changing so quickly, and for oil and gas companies, uh, that's not so easy because oil and gas business uh, is a long-term business. Sometimes it takes years to drill one well. And mm -hmm. when they drill one well, we, they spend so much capital up front, they are looking to um, get some capital back and then they have a new role. So they have to shut down. And that's one of the reasons we have so many bankruptcies in oil and gas uh, sector. But that aside, there are any other reasons to that. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned the, the EPA, the US Environmental Protection Agency and some of the regulatory uh, uh, issues that that can cause gas operators oil oil drillers to to um to to seek out your solution um can you talk about other things that from a market or regulatory perspective that might be driving more interest in in you know um partnering with companies like easy blockchain from a carbon tax credit perspective or local state regulations um, what, what are the kind of incentives that may prompt, you know, an oil or gas operator to come to you because they have a problem? What, what are these things? Or are, are you really the one doing the educating and doing more outreach? Um, you know, what, what's the, the balance there of people coming to you versus you reaching out to them? Well, I strongly believe that, that people who are forced to do business with us are not the best clients. Mm. And that's why we, we're trying to incentivize oil and gas producers, not only telling them uh, that they're going to reduce their flaring and thus they will get some carbon credits because carbon credit is a thing, but is a thing of the future. Mm -hmm. What we do, we help oil and gas producers uh, monetize their flare gas as well. So our business model is focused on working with oil and gas producers directly so they can make money of that natural gas. So they will invest in CAPEX, uh, they will invest in mobile data center, they will invest in generation, they will technically become cryptocurrency miners. Mm -hmm. And if they are becoming cryptocurrency miners, they are making some money on top of it. Uh, when they do that, they are trying to solve uh, their problem, uh, which is flare gas. At the same time, they're making extra money. Uh, at the same time, they're uh, innovate. They're they're do, taking innovative approach in their drilling right now. So next time they're going to drill, uh, they will think twice. Can they install our system there first, 
or not. They will not be thinking about flaring. And there are multiple in incentives, uh, but forcing to do business with us is not the approach. And mm -hmm. I do not want oil and gas producers to uh, feel like that. Yep. So you're 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 in the like me in the education business, I imagine, uh, and and so you you Absolutely. probably. I mean, most people now have heard of Bitcoin, but that doesn't mean they understand uh, mining A to Z. And, and I'm sure you spend a fair amount of time, um, you know, with with, uh, you know, people in the energy sector kind of getting into the weeds around how cryptocurrency mining works and 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 what do you do with with these Bitcoins that that are mined? And and I guess I, I'd love to hear, uh, you know, some war stories from you or or maybe some stories about, you know, what are some of the common questions or objections or kind of tripping points that that, uh, you know, uh, you run into when you when you're kind of, you know, kind of introducing this idea to, to people new to cryptocurrency? Uh, the first uh, objection or question is uh, uh, Bitcoin will disappear. What mm. if it goes to 10,000? What if it goes to three thousand dollars? Uh, what's going to happen next uh we do have an answer to that uh that mining bitcoin and the source of, of an energy uh, uh is the cheapest way to do that uh thus any oil gas producer who's going to mine cryptocurrency using its own energy will always be in play regardless of price of bitcoin unless it disappears which i doubt uh mm -hmm. it will uh then of course first in 2018 um when we approached, we took uh, only environmental approach and we were offering oil and gas producers to take their gas for free just to help them to reduce their flaring numbers. Uh, that was uh, a tough learning curve uh, for us because oil and gas producers or any other uh, businesses, they do not want to give away um, their commodity that they work so hard to produce. Mm -hmm. And that was one of our uh, lessons that we learned over time. Uh, that's why we changed the model a little bit. Um, then, of course, <clears throat> the what scares not even oil and gas producers, but me as well, is the uh, volatility of the market, especially the volatility of the hardware. Mm. Uh, like you making a quote today for $1 million, for example, uh, for a customer, and tomorrow when they're ready to pay, Bitcoin went up 10%. And there is a higher demand for cryptocurrency mining equipment. Uh, the price went up 20% for the hardware. Uh, they, of course, are not happy about that. Uh, and since they're communicating with us, they think that we're trying to make more bucks uh, on them, uh, not vice versa. <laughs> uh, and we are that uh, first party uh, that uh, customers are complaining to about Bitcoin in general. They don't have anyone else to complain, so they complain to us. Uh, but there are many stories, honestly. Uh, we have talked and worked with dozens of clients, uh, and every story is unique. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, the outcome of this every story, that they all agree that this is a good solution. Mm -hmm. And this solution could help not only uh, oil and gas companies mitigate their flaring numbers, but it could help uh, to clean, for the lack of a better term, the reputation of Bitcoin itself. Yes, 100% agree. And and as as the topic of Bitcoin's energy consumption continues to dominate, you know, media headlines, 
uh, it's it's fascinating that that stories like yours and, and the work you're doing is not being told more by the media. Um, it's it's very slanted, in my opinion, um, and, and doesn't kind of share some of the interesting solutions that are being developed that are helping to to, you know, improve the environment, actually, um, uh, in, in ways that weren't possible prior to the invention of Bitcoin. Um, I mean, it's remarkable that you can go anywhere um, with satellite connections and, and, you know, and set up a Bitcoin mining operation, you don't need a large population center to, to harness this, this energy that would otherwise be wasted uh, and, and, and maybe cause even worse impact for the environment. And uh, I think it's a really, really positive story. Um, what else? I mean, I guess, I guess one question I would have is, you know, you've been doing this for a number of years now. Um, you know, you know, Drilling for oil is a global industry. Um, you know, to use a baseball analogy, how early are we in uh, the kind of you know kind of deployment or or life cycle of kind of you know energy producers adopting you know easy blockchain solution? Is this something that's just a U.S. phenomenon right now? Is it something that's happening in other countries? You know, Russia, elsewhere. Uh, you know, is it? Is it, I assume it's you know pretty compelling for, for many energy, energy producers when they see the numbers to just say, yes, let's do it. But, uh, you know, tell me about where the maturity of this is at this point. I think we're in the very early stage. In my opinion, every oil and gas producer will have this system on their ground sooner or later. And oil and gas producers will produce a couple more, more than a couple commodities. It will be oil, uh, gas, and Bitcoin, uh, because Bitcoin mining can be used as a perfect hedge against prices for oil and gas producers as well. So if they have a pipeline, for example, and they sell gas at two dollars per MCF into the pipeline. But utilizing that gas to mine Bitcoin, they make, let's say, $10 per MCM. Mm. That's no brainer for them, for them to use uh, this system uh, to mine Bitcoin at that time. It is not a, a phenomenon uh, only in the United States. There are more countries that are doing this, uh, especially uh, natural gas uh, rich countries like Canada. Uh, Russia just implemented a couple of solutions as well. We have had a uh, great conversation with Nigerian government to, to start helping them uh, reducing their flaring. Um, the flaring numbers in Nigeria are very high, mm. but it will be more and more uh, a solution uh, to any type of wasted energy because Bitcoin is Bitcoin mining is providing a consumption of twenty four seven, which is a great thing for any power generation. Mm -hmm. I believe uh, that within the next uh, two to three years, we'll see a huge adoption. And uh, this, this will, huge adoption will follow uh, by production of new chips. And I think the cryptocurrency uh, miners of the future are energy producers. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, uh, I think we've run over time, so I, I don't want to keep you any longer. I just wanted to, to check in on one thing. I don't know how closely you're following events in the Ukraine still, but uh, it really was amazing for me to learn that, um, you know, legislators uh, who had to disclose 
their personal assets um, in the Ukraine recently revealed that I think collectively Ukraine legislators, and I think there's maybe one whale or two whales who, who make up the most of this amount, own about 50,000 Bitcoins roughly, uh, wow. according to their That's news volunteer to disclosure. <laughs> Did you hear about this or? <laughs> I did not. It's it's a news. I have to check it out. But uh, it's not a surprise for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know like uh, Chainalysis runs a uh, Bitcoin penetration map and, and, and they look at, you know, on-chain analytics. And I think they rank Ukraine as the number one country uh, that's adopted Bitcoin. And, and uh, I was just curious as, as, a, as a Ukrainian, if you had any any observations or personal stories, I mean, it's, it seems like Ukraine is really taken to Bitcoin in a major way, including at the political level, interestingly. Yeah, well, this happens because of uh, uh, the currency instability in Ukraine and uh, other uh, countries with not stable political uh, situation. For example, in Turkey, um, a lot of people are investing money in Bitcoin. Uh, and uh, in other countries uh, with uh, uh, not a very well-developed banking system, more money goes to Bitcoin. Uh, so I think that's not a surprise that Ukrainians are uh, one of the uh, first in the ranks uh, because Ukraine is a very rich country and there are not that many um, vehicles to invest uh, capital there. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I think Ukrainian is, is Ukraine is leading the way uh, one of my big predictions uh, is we're going to see more governments supporting cryptocurrency and, and even owning it as a reserve asset, like companies like Tesla and Square and others have started to do. And maybe Ukraine will be the first to come out and publicly uh, uh, you know, acknowledge that the government's taking an ownership stake. Um, but, uh, you maybe. know, it's been wonderful. Yeah, it's been wonderful chatting with you, Sergey. Tell us, uh, tell people where... Um, you know, if they're interested in learning more about you or your company, where they can go to learn more. Definitely. Um, you can find more information about us on our website, easyblockchain.net. Uh, also, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Sergey Gera and Sergey Gerasimovich LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there. I'll share some information from time to time. Great. We'll be sure to include a link to your website and Twitter profile uh, in the uh, show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. And it was a real pleasure. And we hope we can get you back on in a year to see where we're at with the uh, deployment of this incredible solution that's helping to, uh, to, to improve our environment. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Uh